If you will turn to 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 11. Second Peter one verses three through eleven. Every year, as we uh, start a new year, it's common that people will evaluate themselves and evaluate what is truly important to them and make resolutions. And we look back and we look forward, and some of us do it differently, some of us grade ourselves, some of us may not even care, but we look back and we say, what did we do this past year? What did we accomplish this past year? Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? Was it a ho-hum year? And that's really what I want to ask ourselves today is, as we look at this passage and to give you a little bit of context, Peter here is facing his impending death. And his desire here in 2 Peter 1 is sort of to give a last will and testament uh, of a revelation that he had received of of those that he's discipling, he's passing on, he's giving a, a last will. He's saying, look, above all else, this is what I want you to know and remember. I mean, imagine yourselves, moms, dads, if if you know that the end is near, what is it that you would tell your family? What's that, what's that last nugget that you would leave your family to think about as you leave this earth? In many ways, that's what Peter is doing here. He is, he's using this letter to pass on the revelation of God to others, instruction that will keep them on a sure foundation. The, the battle here and what Peter is talking about in, in this second letter, the battle is over truth. What, what Peter is passing on is truth. This, this entire letter is, is future-oriented in, a, in that sense and that what he is saying more than anything else, if you could sum it up, it would be this. In my departure, no matter what, as you move forward, pursue spiritual growth. Mature. No matter what, pursue spiritual growth. Keep growing. And and you do that through a true knowledge, as Peter says in what we're about to read. If you're going to stand firm, if you're going to remain firm and steadfast until the Lord's return, he's saying stand firm on truth, have a true knowledge, understand the revelation. Look at what he writes. He says, starting in verse 3, well, start in verse, let's start in verse 1, just to, Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle Jesus Christ, there's his authority right there, authority, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, he's writing to believers, they, they have a common faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these are believers he's writing to, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, there's sermons even here. Our righteousness comes only through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, is both, He's fully God, fully man, fully God, fully Savior. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, listen, in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence, 
For by these, talking about the promises, he, uh, talking about the revelation through the, the, everything he's given us, he says, For these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Peter is writing and he's saying, look, no matter what, pursue growth. No matter what, grow spiritually. Before we jump in, sort of the overarching thoughts of, of this sermon is just that. Can we look back and see God using us? Can we look back at 2015 and see and say honestly that we grew in the grace of our Lord? That we're more spiritually mature today than we were the beginning of last year? Are, are we closer to the Lord today? Do we look? Do our lives look more like the Lord today than when we started 2015? Are we more spiritually mature today than we were this time last year? Are we more useful, as the Scripture says, today to Christ than we were a year ago? The, the challenge for every single one of us here today, whether it corporately or personally, is this, it's not to rest. It's to keep growing. It's to keep pressing on. And if we're going to do that, we must be committed to a faithful study of God's Word. You saw in that passage, knowledge, over and over and over again. That, that word there in the Greek is epinosis, and, it, and it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just a common knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. It's literally intimacy. Intimacy. It's not just I know of, it's I know through personal experience, through intimacy. And if, if I, I thought about as I, as, I, as I thought about this, how to illustrate, how many of you have ever had your child stand up against the wall and you took a line and you put a line right above their head to show them how tall they are? Anybody ever done that? The house that we live in, Currently, in the closet, the family who had the house before us, you can see the growth of their kids. It was in the closet, right behind the closet door. Clearly, we did nothing to the closets when we moved in because it's still there. Our kids look at that and they're like, is that our height? No, those are kids we don't even know. But, you know, you, 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 you mark that line. Suppose, suppose at the beginning of 2015, we took you and we backed you up to the wall and we marked the line spiritually. And suppose we backed you up to that same wall today and would, would the line be higher? That's the question. 
would the line be higher today spiritually than it was at the beginning of 2015? Did you grow? If you wanted, if you wanted to know, if you wanted to know what, what, Chris, what's your vision for the church? What, what do you want for 2016? It would be this: spiritual growth. That the end, of, at the, that at the end of 2016, we would be spiritually mature. That we would be more spiritually mature than we are today. Because everything you see in this passage, everything flows out of that. Verse eight to me, is the key for all of us, and we'll get there. But he says, if these things are yours and are what? Increasing. You'll be neither useless nor fruitless. Hey, it's not, what did you read 10 years ago, and are you still clinging on to that old truth? No, it's, are they increasing? Are you growing? What, what Peter says here right off the bat and all throughout and, and, and at the end of this first chapter is that the words here in this Bible, the words that we read every week, the words that we study in small groups, the word that we're studying all throughout the week, the reason why we don't fool around with other books is because what we have right here are not mere words, but this is God Himself. We're, we are learning about God Himself. L- listen to verse 20 of chapter 1. He says, but know, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Who is the source of all revelation? Who is the source of all truth? Who is the source of every single one of these words on these pages? God. Not man. What what we have here is a revelation of God. Not, Not man's opinions. Not man's thoughts. Men were moved by the Spirit. Literally that word moved there, it's like a sailboat who was sitting on the ocean. And God breathed wind into that sail. And guess what? That sailboat goes wherever the wind takes it. That's how the writers of Scriptures were. They were literally sailboats on the ocean. And wherever God breathed into those sails, that's where they went. What we have here in Scripture is a revelation of God. These Scriptures are revealing a person, the person of God. These Scriptures bring us into His very real presence. Believe that. They're truth because they reveal the person of God and He's truth. That is why they're precious. That's why we want to take care of them. That's why I regularly ask as I'm down here praying, Lord, let me go as far as they take me, but let me not go farther than they take me. You don't want to hear what I got to say. You want to hear what God has to say. The study of this word, the memorization, the careful interpretation... It's because this is God. This is a revelation of God. It's not an end and of itself. It's not so that we can be Bill Nye, the Bible answer guy, so to speak. It's not so we can answer trivia. It's not so we can just quote verses arbitrarily. That's not it. The, the, the end is God Himself. It's a relationship with a person. The more I know about this word, and the more I know about God, the person of God. All of the truth here is a revelation of the person of God. Look look at verses 3 and 4. 
seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us. What are we gaining here? A knowledge of Him who called us. These promises flow out of Him, out of His character. Look, verse 4, so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature. That's Christ's likeness, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. God literally has invited us to Himself through Christ. Relationship, intimacy, through a knowledge of this Word. He's inviting us to Himself. To a, to a personal relationship with Him. Literally, Christ-likeness, partakers of the divine nature in that sense. Romans 8, at the, end, at the middle of Romans 8, verse 29 and 30, it says the, the will of God is that we would be in the, in the image of His Son, that we would bear Christ's image. How do we do that? Through this Word. Through the Word. And the goal of truth and of the Bible and of memorization and of studying... Again, it's not just knowledge in and of itself. It's for intimacy and a satisfying knowledge of God. It's, through, it's for a relationship. Literally, that we would enter into His presence through the study of this Word, through the meditation of this Word. That we would delight in Him. That, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good. It was interesting, even last night, for dinner, Karen had a new recipe, and it was it was stuffed peppers, and they were stuffed with stuff that you would put in a taco and all that. And, and you can imagine the look on our kids' faces when Bradley and Sarah Grace asked, "What's for dinner?" Stuffed peppers. You got a seven and ten year old. Stuffed peppers. Not not high on their list. Sarah Grace would not go near it. To save her life, which she only eats soup and turkey anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Bradley, on the other hand, has, doesn't have a choice in the matter. He's got to try it. And guess what he found out? That he liked it. He liked it. Interestingly enough, the Bible over and over says, Come unto me, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Jeremiah says, Your words became food and I ate them. Some of, us, some of us need to try it. We sing a song in our house, try it, you might like it. Give it a try. But again, the goal here, the goal is a relationship. The goal is that we would see that God is good. And I hope you see all that we have been given and invited to and into through Christ, that what a privilege we have, that we could enter into His presence. Hebrews says that through Christ we can boldly enter. We can just barge in. We can come on in. We, ha we have the privilege, the opportunity to stand before a holy God, to literally be in His presence. And the question becomes, what did you do with that last year? Did you waste that opportunity? Did you waste in a year? Did, did you waste months? Did you waste days? 
Uh, that's why Paul in Ephesians 5 says, Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. 2015 is gone, just like that. Never get it back. What'd we do with it? What'd we spend it on? Literally, we have the opportunity to know God. That is John 17, 3, that all may know Him, the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom He sent. That, that is the verse of this church. That's the cry of my heart, that all would know Him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom He sent. But how do you know Him? Through the Word. Through fellowship. Why do we gather every week? Hebrews 10 says to spur one another on. To, to, I, I know people that are not here today because they've wandered away and they pursued things of the world and they are doing things that they ought not to be doing. You know how that happened? A little bit out of time. How, how many of us won't be here next year? Peter is saying we have the opportunity to come to God. And look what he says in verses 5 and 10. It runs so counterculture to our, our let go and let God and all this other stuff. Look, look what it says in, in, in verse 5. Now for this very reason, what does it say? Applying all diligence. There's no let go and let God. Applying all diligence. Look at verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling. There's effort here. We're saved by grace, but guess what? We pursue God. As believers, we chase after Him, applying all diligence, making every effort. I mean, think about it. How else, if we really grasp in our heads that we have the opportunity to know God, how else would we really pursue that? If we really would grasp that. I mean, if, if God, I mean, the, that I can know God. Think about that. The one true God in Jesus Christ whom He sent. I, I have that privilege through Christ. I'm going to toy around with that. I'm going to play around with that. I'm going to choose to do other things. And then think about it, as you, as, you, as, as you look at your own life, can, you, can that be said about you in 2015, that you applied all diligence to grow, that you made every effort to grow in 2015? Can, can we honestly say that? That we made every effort, that we applied all the diligence to grow in our faith, or, or did we coast? Listen to what Psalm 68, listen to what Psalm 68, 3 says. I said 68, 3, 63, 8. Listen to what David writes. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. That word cling can be translated as this, follows hard. Literally, David is saying, my soul follows hard after you, God. Can that be said of us in 2015, that we followed hard after God? Psalm 42.1 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. The question becomes, was that us in 2015? Or was God maybe forgotten in the midst of other pursuits? 
Maybe not neglect it altogether. Maybe we're not so bold as to do that, but maybe we thought, hey, we'll just jumble God in with the midst of all of, a bunch of other pursuits. I'll just pursue a bunch of things, and God will be one of those pursuits. I, I'm not so bad as to just forget Him altogether, but you know what? I'll just, I'll just pursue Him amongst other things. I, I'll relegate Him to simply one of many pursuits, kind of diversify. Was that Was that us? Eternal life, I mean, the experience of eternal life, that is, that is you and me responding literally to the person of God. Personal relationship, deep relationship. We have been invited to know Him, to know Him intimately. And that is eternal life. It's not something that begins when you die. Literally, eternal life begins the moment you're saved. This is eternal life, John 17, 3 says, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Right now, if you as a believer, eternal life, know God. That's eternal life, knowing God. The, qu the question is, in 2015, did we experience that? Did we truly experience that, knowing God more and more? If not, why not? The question becomes this, what distracted us? What distracted us in 2015? What, what competed with God for your utmost attention? What, what competed with God for your desires and your time and your abilities? Listen to, listen to, because see, we all battle with that. And that's one of Satan's number one weapons. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. Whatever things were gained to me, he just listed all his physical credentials. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul was top dog according to the flesh. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. You know what Paul is saying? You can't have them both. You can't chase after them both. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them rubbish. That word literally means dung, so that I may gain Christ. Paul's saying, look, in order for me to gain Christ, in order for me to pursue, you know what i got to do? i got to lay some things aside. I, I can't pursue Him and everything else. In, in 2 Timothy 2.4, listen to what it says. No soldier in active service, that's a, he's referring to a Christian, an illustration here, entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. There, there are things as believers that we're going to have to neglect if we're going to grow. If we're going to really get out of this thing, all that God has called us to and experience what it is to know Him, there are going to be some things that we've got to set aside. So I, so I ask you, what distracted you from a pursuit of God, a hunger of God in 2015? Was it a relationships, other relationships? Was it a desire to be popular? Was it your peers? Was it, was it a love of the world? Was it a pursuit of worldly riches? Was it making a name for yourself? Was it fitting in? What was it? Satan has a lot of good things that he can throw into our lives that cause us to neglect the best thing. The, the question before us is this. Have we become complacent 
in our walk and relationship with Christ. I think that's the tendency, that's the danger for all of us. In Galatians, I believe it's Galatians 6, he says, that, yeah, verse 9, Do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. I think we would all admit that's the, that's the, that's the challenge. Not only spiritually, that's going to be, some of you may have said, you know what, in 2016, I'm going to start working out. Okay, I'll see how that's going in May. Hey, I'm on, I'm on a diet, okay? Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this every day. All right, check back with you in April. You know what? The tendency is to grow weary. The tendency is to, to, to lose heart. But what, what is it, what is it that, that, that kept you from, from growing? from being sold out to God? Were, were you scared to maybe be called weird? Because Christians are weird. In this world, we're becoming more and more weird. We ought to be weird. The word weird means different. You can be weird for weird's sake, or you can be different for different sake. Christians are called to be weird for different sake. Were you afraid of what it would cost you? Do, do, we as a, do we as a church want God plus, or do we, we live in a God plus world? Do, do you want God plus? The question, and you see them on your handouts, that is a handout for maybe you do it in small groups at 11, maybe you can do it at home. I would challenge you to contemplate these things. The question is this, what needs to be laid aside in 2016 that you can grow in intimacy with God? What, what competed with your affections, with your time, with your talents, with your faithfulness? What competed? What needs to be laid aside? Hebrews talks about laying inside every single thing that encumbers us. Press on. Because look, look, look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... We're not talking about stale bread here. Listen, I, I, I have years of seminary. I have years of studying the Bible that I could rely on and probably look real spiritual. But guess what? That's stale bread. I'm not negating the word. I'm saying that's what God... I need to be growing. Every single day, I need to be coming back to the word. It's not stale in the sense of it's useless, but it, it's It's yesterday. I need to be coming back to eat today in the sense of the food that I ate yesterday. Guess what? I have to eat physical food again today. The, 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 the time I spent in God's word yesterday, I need to come back to his word today. That's what I'm saying. Stale is probably not the best word, and I'm not trying to, you know, my heart. I'm not diminishing God's word. I'm saying we need daily bread we, in order to be growing. Because look at what it says. If these things are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Here's the truth. If they're not increasing, what does that render you? Useless. Unfruitful. That's the challenge. And we would say, no, I didn't, but I'm telling you, we're not as effective as God would want us to be if we're living off last week's bread. If we're not growing. As I close and bring this thing land this plane listen to exodus 33 it, it, this would be the cry of, of of my heart i want this to be the cry of my heart but i would want this to be the cry of our heart collectively in exodus 33 verse 12 and i was reading a 
a book by A.W. Tozier, and, and uh, he said something that, that got me on this trail. And li- listen, listen to this. They're, they're, they're in the middle of a journey, the promised land. And li- listen to what Moses says. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And you say, and he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, That's Moses. If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I in your people? Is it not by your going with us that we and I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight and I have known you by name. And this is the key verse, Moses, in verse 18. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Think about what it'd be in, in your life if our prayer was, God, be glorified in me. God, I want to see your glory. Whatever it takes, show me your glory. Greater intimacy, personal relationship with God. Show me your glory, God. May we be a people who are, who are defined by your presence. Do, do you not think that that's a prayer that God longs to answer? God, show me your glory. God, be magnified, be glorified in my life. I, I mean, I, I had to ask myself, is that even a prayer request of mine? Do I even pray that? And why don't I pray that? Maybe it's because I'm scared God might answer that, and I'm scared of what that means. Where it would start. But where it would start for some of us is just admitting, God, I don't even want it. God, I don't even ask it. God, create in me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. God, create a yearning. for Maybe that's how 2016 ought to start for some of us. God, just create a hunger for your word in my life. Let me start with simple Let me just start. God, show me your glory. Maybe for some of us it's repenting of a coldness and complacency. It's repenting of the distractions and all the other pursuits. Maybe. And I'm not trying to be down here. I'm just trying to put a little bit of weight on the bar to help us see the weight of, of who we are as believers and the weight of the responsibility, but also the opportunity. We can know God. And here's what A.W. Tozer said that that struck me. Listen to this. God waits to be wanted. Think about that. That God waits to be wanted. In your life, in my life, He waits to be wanted. But but we've got to humble ourselves and we've got to ask and we've got to pursue because here's the reality. Only God will satisfy our souls. Only God will satisfy our souls. 
Not programs here at this church, not methods, not pristine buildings, not earthly relationships. That building over there is going to be a blessing. It's not going to satisfy our souls. The way that building is going to be a blessing is if God satisfies our souls and that building is used to grow us in, in the relationship with Jesus Christ and our kids in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's when that building is a blessing. He waits to be wanted. And that's what I want for us in 2016. I want each of us to long for God, to be diligent in our pursuit of God individually. Not, not relying on me. Not, not, not considering what we do on Sundays to be your bread to get you through the week. Individually, you pursuing God. Not, not, not trying to feed off my crumbs. Each of us, think about that. If each of us pursued God throughout the week, wholeheartedly pursued God throughout the week, and then on Sundays, we came together and celebrated what God had revealed to us and taught us all throughout the week. Think about what these Sundays would look like. Think about what our Mondays would look like and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and every other day of the week if we were individually pursuing God. What our gatherings... Think about what it would be like for a non-believer or someone else to come into this place and be like, whoa, what are these people doing? Why? Because we've met with God all week. And God has shown us His glory and proverbially like Moses, we came away and our faces were aglow because we had met with God. But, but not only that, think about our marriages. Think about how that impacts our marriages. Think about how that impacts your role as a student, as a co-worker, as a friend. Think about how that would change our lives if we neglected other things to individually pursue God with diligence. And, and we applied every effort. If we grew in our wonder of the fact that God would save any of us, Think about how that affects our lives. Last night, we were doing devotions with our kids, and we were talking about humility and what that looks like in our home. It was interesting. Right after we did that, I said, Sarah, it's your turn to pray. She says, Bradley, do you want to pray? I'm being humble. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's one, way to, one way to look at it. Now, tonight, it'd be a different thing. They're going to argue about who's going to pray. They slept on it. It's gone. But think about that. What, what, what would this body look like if we were constantly deferring to one another? Constantly wanting others. What about our marriages if we were constantly wanting our spouse's happiness more than we want our own? All to the glory of God. God, show me your glory. I mean, what, what would it look like as we even celebrated today where, where Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What if our whole lives revolved around the fact that Jesus Christ gave up His life for ours? Allowed, obedience to the Father was crucified that we would not have to individually suffer the wrath of God. What would our lives look like? To, to know God more, to pursue Him more, to be more diligent. In, in Numbers 18, and I promise I'm closing right now. In Numbers 18, we see what this would look like, and we see a picture of, I think, what we battle with every single day. In Numbers 18, I'll give you a context. The Lord, the Lord is dividing Canaan. He is dividing Canaan amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. And Aaron, which was the Levitical priesthood, he received no share of the land. None. 
You, you can read it in Numbers 18. He's do doling out the land. Aaron got none. Think about that. God has doled out all these physical blessings, material blessings, divided the land. Aaron got none. On the surface, you, you stop and think, oh, what in the world? That don't seem fair. But, but listen, to what, listen to what God says in verse 20 to Aaron. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. You think, okay, that's okay. Listen to what God does say. I am your portion, and I am your inheritance among the sons of Israel. Think about that. Who is the greater? Aaron? Aaron got out good on that deal. The gift of God, listen to me, the gift of God made Aaron richer than all the others. And I believe that principle is just as good today as it was then. The man or woman who has God as his treasure, listen to me, has all things in one person, God. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and what? All these things will be added to you. The things that we really want are found in God. Not these other things. And, and it's going to require us to, to deny or neglect many earthly and temporal things. But ultimately, it's because they don't bring us true happiness. God Himself is what brings us true happiness. And at the end of the day, listen to me, those things that you neglected, I promise you they won't be a loss. Why? Because you have God. You found intimacy in God. And just like He said to, to Aaron in Numbers 18, 20, God will become your portion and your inheritance. Might that be us in 2016, that we would taste and see that the Lord is good in fresh and new ways. Listen to me, whatever happened in 2015, here's the good news. It's done, it's gone, it can be forgiven under the blood. It's a year that's gone. In God's grace, we have a new year. I don't know how long the Lord will tarry, and I don't know how long He's numbered our days, but we have new days to pursue Him. Might we take advantage of that? Might we pursue Him in a fresh new way beginning in 2016? Might we repent of 2015 and say it's done I'm going to chase after you in a fresh new way in 2016. I, I pray that we would chase after God diligently in 20, 2016, that we would apply all diligence, that we would make every effort to know Him in 2016, that we would rid of distractions, that at the end of 2016, if the Lord tarries, if we're here, that if we proverbially marked ourselves today, that the line would be much higher at the end of 2016 because we grew, that these qualities that it lists here were increasing. And we could sit back and rejoice at how fruitful and useful we were.